A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, but we've not enjoyed a nil-nil draw as much as that before of the podcast. What a performance, and I'm joined by the obligatory offside goal of the podcast, Tom Alderson. Every game, like clockwork. And finally, the subbing off of a sub brought on of the podcast. Oh no. We've made a terrible mistake. It's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. Um, I'm I'm also working on my fitness at the moment, much like Rodrigo. So I think I could probably do about one fifth of the running that Rodrigo did yesterday uh, at the moment. So I think he's you know he's, he's doing all right. Bless him. He's not bad for an old lad. <laughs> Five minutes, then you give yourself in the Leeds team at the moment, would you? Yeah. I might be able to just just about have the fitness to do a substitute appearance where I don't get on the pitch, you know, just 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 do the warm ups on the touchline, something like that. Yeah, good stuff. And a man who would easily do ninety minutes for Leeds at Elland Road is Tom Alderson. Tom, how are you? I could probably do ninety minutes at Elland Road for Leeds because I'd probably slip on the pitch and injure myself. That's probably how that'd go. <laughs> it's it's nice to do a podcast with one of these. Like we're not having to find the positive out somewhere, and we're not having to sort of calm everyone down on the negatives as well. It's just a nice middle of the road podcast but I suppose that's what a draw will give you isn't it it's nice to see it on when we've not been walloped to be honest it's yeah. uh, quite an unusual feeling yeah it's, it's pretty weird this well let's begin in the usual fashion then with how did that feel I'll go with you Darren first how did that feel yeah it was good you know I really um I think it's the first time really since the Southampton game that I've that I've got any sort of enjoyment out of a Leeds game recently um it felt I, th- I thought the first fifteen minutes, fifteen twenty minutes, were quite exciting, and the game the game felt quite open. Uh, and after that, you know, defenses were on top. And, and and before the game, really, the only thing that I um, was hoping for was that we wouldn't be kind of out of the game within fifteen to twenty minutes. And 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 we managed to do that. And um, I thought it was a really a really creditable performance. I really enjoyed uh, a lot of our defensive work. Um, and 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 Chelsea's defensive work was 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 really good as well, um, albeit in, in a slightly different part of the pitch. Um, and yeah, just just overall, I just I just felt we we managed to 
you know, kind of matched them by and large for a lot of the game uh, and and really deserved the point that we came away with at the end, I think, although the XG might tell a slightly different story. I, I, I felt that it was, by and large, a pretty, pretty even game and although they had more chances, I think, you know, the, the, two, the two really good saves in the game were both made by... By or two of the three really good saves in the game were, were made by Mendy, so I thought it was it was a really really good match. Yeah, it was nice going into a second half with everything to play for. I think that made a big difference. It's been a few too many games recently where we've just given up early goals, and then it's felt as though we're never getting back into the game as well. But Tom Alderson, I found it a bit weird in the week because I was expecting them to probably to score quite a few past us, um, and our attack to sort of keepers in the game but it was kind of the opposite like the attack never really got going and that was a credit to Chelsea if anything because I thought they were they were really good um but yeah our, our defense was good and it's just I think Chelsea haven't quite got the attack going with Tuchel yet he's clearly been doing a lot of work on their on their defense and that showed and I think that they were really impressive by that but yeah it's always because I think we've only got we've got a, out of that the uh what's it that's the big six it's only We've got two draws, so it's just it's nice to come away with these with a result and not a pasting, which I was expecting. Yeah, well, let's jump into the questions then, um, because we have got a few questions which did touch on on this aspect of the game. But um, thank you again for all of your questions. Again, we had too many to fit them all in, so do bear with us. But we do read them all and we do appreciate them all. So thank you for sending them through. Um, Neil Harding said, "Good defensive performance or wasteful slash out of rhythm Chelsea, perhaps helped by them being changed with an eye to a European match." Uh, and Rob Porter said, "Is this Leeds' best defensive performance of the season? The press wasn't as effective without Bamford, but we seemed solid in defence in the defensive third and restricted Chelsea to a few clear cut chances." So, Sam Alderson, good defensive performance or out of rhythm Chelsea? There's a bit of both in it. I wouldn't say they were out of rhythm. It's just they're adapting to the new new manager and with. With Havertz playing up front, who's he's he's played there a bit for Leverkusen, hasn't he? But it's only the Everton game on last Monday that was his first game playing in that role. So there was still a sense that he was getting used to that as much. And I think with him playing there, we didn't really have a a, a proper focal point, which kind of played into the hands of uh, Stroik and Lorente, because there was they didn't really have to worry about. If it'd been like Werner, they would have had to worry about someone going in behind, and I think that would have probably caused us a lot, a lot more problems than Havertz did because he was he had a tendency to drop deep, and um, that that sort of defending suits or Stroik can be pretty comfortable with all the all kinds of defending to be honest. But Lorente, especially if the ball's in front of him, he's always going to deal well with that. But for um, for what Chelsea um, gave us, the way it was a good defensive performance because we dealt with everything that they. Um, through it was I'm surprised they didn't go to Pulisic more because that was the only time where they seemed to really cause us problems because that was getting one-on-one with Alioski or getting beyond Alioski that was when they caused us a lot of problems there's been no other team that's pulled us around quite so much this season as Chelsea did um, and I think had they been able to um, be a little bit more uh, well rehearsed in some of their movements in an attacking sense around uh, around us when they did that then they may well have come away with with a fair with a result there but at the same time yeah i think Leeds did defend well i think tactically we are always a little bit nervous about the 3-4-3 and i think in this game we saw a similar thing to what we saw in the second half of the Leicester game where we pushed Alioski up uh, and pushed 
Harrison up as well. And rather than having Phillips, uh, sorry, Dallas dropping in to watch out on on the the left winger who's dropping inside, we actually just did it with Phillips, and I think that made a big difference. And then we had pretty much Ailing on the other floating ten uh, as well, and that just freed up the the two centre backs to then take on the um, uh, to take on Havertz in the in the middle. Um, in terms of the XG that you've referenced, Darren, Statsbomb did have this as 1.4 XG to Chelsea, whereas we only had 0.4, I think. Um, and I did notice that the post-shot XG said that we actually made our chances better than they were. That was my impression, yeah. Yeah, and I think Chelsea probably made theirs about the same, I, I think it was. I think the big chance was was Havertz's um, chance when there was a miscommunication between Phillips and uh, Urente. That was the big chance. And I think a lot, because he put it straight at the keeper, I think a lot of people maybe undervalue that chance slightly. But um, I do think that, you know, this is the best time to play Chelsea. Um, weirdly, um, even with even with Lampard, I felt as though their tactics were way more suited to causing us problems. And Josh Hobbs did a thread on our Twitter account this morning, just talking about how, you know, Tuchel is all about the long-term performance and trying to get his team playing in a certain way that will allow him to pull off results in every game rather than just occasional games like Lampard did. So I think that's important to remember. But I'll push this one over to you, Darren. What's your uh, thoughts on this aspect, the defensive aspect of, of Leeds versus the maybe slightly out of rhythm Chelsea? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting question because I, I think that I think by and large I, th- I thought we approached our press <coughs> quite differently even when Bamford was on the pitch. I felt like we weren't kind of getting getting in their faces high up the pitch as often as we as, as often as we usually do. I thought we probably did that for the first five minutes. It was really noticeable. I think it was in the second or third minute with Dallas herring over to the left left their left wing to to close down Chilwell and, and it ended up going out for a throw and then after that I felt like we our our players really focused more on kind of making sure that they were picking up their men properly rather than in, in terms of pressure pressure in the ball. So they were able to move the ball around between their centre-backs reasonably comfortably. But then when they looked up, I felt like we pretty much picked up our men quite comfortably and that kind of limited their their chances of doing really incisive uh, kind of vertical play. And I, I felt, by and large, I felt that, that we kind of, although a lot of their movement was good, we followed them and it meant that, they, that we kind of restricted their options to a lot of lateral passing, really. Um, so I thought it was, it was really interesting from, from that te- um, from that point of view because yeah although Chelsea weren't as you know kind of sharp as as we might expect I, I think I think we do deserve quite a lot of credit in terms of the way that all of our defensive plays really for most of the game you know with the odd exception aside that 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 chance that you've referenced been the notable one I thought we we just we just really stuck to our tasks and made sure that we we denied we denied players space and, and made sure that 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 when they did run, that they were picked up, and that that kind of we covered our bases as effectively as we can. And I thought that Chelsea were much less pressy than than they were in the first game as well. And I thought, you know, well, they they pressed more in the midfield rather than right up in in our back third. And I think that that really helped us as well because it meant that we didn't get caught out that we'd. Um, Perhaps with like Alioski or in the fullback areas as often as we normally do, <laughs> or, or as often as we certainly did in the in the first game. So I felt that although tactically that that will work for them in the long term, I thought that it, it actually you're right, it did play into our hands on 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 that day. 
Yeah, I'm just looking at the stats bomb numbers for XG for the other game as well. Um, so in that game, we put out 1.3 XG ourselves, but we conceded 3.7. Um, and it, it does seem to me a case of uh, Rafa Benitez blanket, you know, where you pull the, the blanket up over your head to keep your head warm. Suddenly you've got cold feet. Um, it does, does seem as though that's coming into it, it somewhat. Um, we had a question along these lines from James Mantella, who said, how much have we improved since the start of the season? Using the Chelsea games as a measuring stick, the first game at Stamford Bridge, we were out of our depth. Today, we were much more measured. Results don't always show it, but we have improved greatly. Um, Tom, I'll go to you on this. Do you feel as though this is true? I think there is some truth in it. I, I find it quite hard to compare these two Chelsea games because of the difference in management. And obviously, Lampard was much more attack-focused um, and Tuchel at the moment is focusing on on the defence. Um I think we we have adapted. We've found ways to become more solid, even though we're still um, in some games conceding a fair amount of chances and a, sometimes a, um, a quite quite a lot of xG. But if you think about, they're just thinking about the last two games. Um, we've only, we didn't obviously only conceded the Havertz. There was the big chance, and then against uh, West Ham, it was a set piece and a penalty. So we we were solid in these games, but it's like you said about the. Benitez uh, blanket example, John. Like we we are more solid, but it's it may be some part that's um, why we're not as good at attack anymore. I don't think that's the only reason. I think the opposition is having an effect on our attack as well. Again, just looking through the the XG figures uh, in terms of what we've created before the last Chelsea game, there was only two games in the season where we we created less than one XG. Um, ourselves and that was the Liverpool game at the beginning of the season and then the Palace game which was a bit of an anomaly but I'm just looking back through the numbers now and then in the 10 games before this one there's been Villa we created less than one XG Arsenal we created less than one XG Everton the the uh, home fixture less than one XG Newcastle um, away less than one XG Brighton at home less than one XG as well so we've certainly started um, creating fewer chances I think um, and and fewer dangerous chances um, as well recently and again that I think probably testifies to the fact that we are pressing slightly less at the uh, in the latter half of the season than we were in the former but Darren what's your thoughts on this? I kind of agree with Tom really in that you, I, I don't think you can reasonably compare the, the two Chelsea games because although the same players were on the pitch that I think it effectively feels like two different teams that we were playing so I, I think a comparison between the two games from that point of view is is kind of is is neither here nor there really but but I, I do agree that in certain games recently we have struggled to to create X, uh, decent xg but I think the reasons in all of those games has been different because I, I, Arsenal obviously pressed us high up the pitch and stopped us getting out of our back third completely and I think that that caused us quite a few problems particularly in the first half um we put up quite a lot of xg against Wolves I can't remember what the exact number is I think it's 2.3 2.3 some I don't know whatever whatever it was so and and obviously against West Ham we also put up some decent numbers in the second half so I, th- I think it's it is a mixture of, of of the opposition really kind of making you know, quite often sitting in deep sitting tight against us and keep you know kind of really denying us space and and also some wasteful finishing in those those other fixtures that I just referenced so I think I think there are things for us to work on I think we, we're definitely we're definitely a more solid than we were earlier in the season um, and and probably more controlled but I think that is that is probably coming slightly at the expense of of our ability to you know kind of create re- a, a regular number of, of good chances well I think we should talk about the lack of threat 
aspect now because we've sort of naturally segued into it. Jamie Smith said it's just occurred to me that we haven't scored in four of our last five matches and in none of our last three, which can't have happened often under Bielsa. Is this down to issues with our attack, the opponents we've faced, or a bit of both? You now, Darren, you've suggested there's probably a bit of both both coming in, in there. Um Dan Holdsworth as well said I've been critical of him recently but Ailing was great defensively today also lovely to see Robert shut the narrative whoppers up not too sure what to make of the lack of goals of late we're playing okay but it'd be nice to see something change up front in the final third um, Tom Alderson I'll go to you first what, what do we need to do to, to score more? So if you look at so the Villa and West Ham and the Chelsea games you're playing teams that are were mainly defensively focused and cause us problems I think it's weird. Well, the unusual thing is, though, I don't think they all did it in the same way. And with the other thing that I was thinking about, why? Because it's kind of, I feel at the moment that the, Rafinha is not being as effective as he was in the probably the five games before. Um, and I think it might be just sort of the the surprise factor of that's gone. Like people, you hear every single opposition manager and player now that's just on pundits as well, just like oh, Rafinha is Leeds' biggest threat, and we're kind of it's very similar to Aston Villa. Um, in a way now that if you kind of stop Jack Grealish you stop Aston Villa and I feel at the moment you you can kind of stop Leeds if you stop Rafinha and we we saw that yesterday that the re- I think the reason that Chilwell started was because he trusted Chilwell to deal with Rafinha more than Marcus Alonso um, and they also had Rudiger backing up Chilwell so there was an, an, this, the few times that Rafinha got past there was like Rudiger was there straight away um, to, to stop that Darren, in terms of how we would get around this issue, where should we be thinking of going next? Like, what is the next step? I mean, I agree entirely with what Tom said. I do think we are somewhat reliant on Rafinha, and and when you are very one-dimensional like that, we've we've talked about this in previous podcasts in the sense that um, there's been times where it sometimes looks like we're too reliant as a team on him as well. We try and get the ball to him as a priority rather than doing some of the the more system-based stuff that we were maybe doing earlier on in the season. Where do we go from here? Yeah, I think it's interesting because although obviously we were looking for Rafinha quite a bit yesterday, um we, we did see other players causing causing problems. So we saw we saw Tyler Roberts cause quite a few problems for Chelsea yesterday. Um and I think occasionally his decision making was, was a bit off yesterday. So I think there's one just after the Havertz chance that we've talked about, um Roberts got through and and kind of came in from wide and 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 quite a speculative shot when there was when Rodrigo was free in the middle and and it would have been reasonably easy to find him. So I think there's a kind of I think that something that we struggled with at various times throughout Bielsa's um, period of time in charge has, has been that the decision making in in the attacking third hasn't always been as good as you would hope it it would be. Um, but yeah, I think some some of them are you know I I personally would like to see. A return of some of the more system-based work that we used to do, where we'd kind of try overload on one side and then isolate on the other, and I feel like we don't necessarily do that anymore. What we're trying to do more now is kind of go direct, look for Rafinha quickly, try get him in behind, um, and then and then kind of make sure that we flood people up alongside him to try and kind of give him some support. So I think I think that, that there is scope for us to kind of to do some of that more more kind of traditional Bielsa style stuff that we've seen before but I, I kind of wonder you know uh, I've been thinking about this I've been trying to think about re- what you know why haven't we been doing that and I think it's partly because teams have been denying us space I think it's partly because we've we've kind of tried to to be a bit more solid and and, and then try and try and hit teams in transition with Rafinha but I also do wonder and and I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on both of your thoughts on this 
whether um, whether kind of Pablo Hernandez coming back out of the team and kind of really slipping back in the pecking order has impacted that because if you look, if you look back at clips of the first two seasons when we were playing a lot of that system-based interplay and, and trying to get people in. Hernandez was really central to all of that. And I, I just wonder whether we are really missing his influence at the moment. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Darren. I think a lot of our issues come down to possession issues. Um, we talk a lot on this channel about the fact that Leeds really struggle to keep possession in the midfield. And we certainly didn't have that problem in, in the championship. And it just means that in terms of transitioning between attack, uh, defence and attack, it, it just sometimes feels as though we aren't really giving ourselves the opportunity to get ourselves structurally set uh, as a, as an attacking unit. And it, I, I think when you're playing that way, then obviously you're going to have to rely on someone like Rafinha, who has the ability to just sort of attack very quickly and you can try and make the most of the chaos that you get from from those rapid attacks. And um, uh, I think we'll, we'll talk a little bit about Tyler Roberts in a bit, actually, um, because I think uh, he had a good game yesterday and I think that there are elements of what it is that that um, Roberts is doing that that probably do help this, but I do think that you're you're right. I think it comes down to how do we now move into a situation where we can dominate the ball a little bit more in advanced areas because we do dominate the ball. We've got we're going to talk about possession after this, but we do dominate the ball, but we do dominate the ball in defensive areas uh, in our own third when we're passing the ball around. And games that we used to play in the championship, you would see us sitting on. Uh, uh, inside the op- opponent's half around the outside of their box working the ball around and trying to break them down we don't see that happening as much these days um uh, and i think that that's what that's what we need to we need to be getting more games where we can do that and then bring in players who can have the the guile and the ability to to break down those low lying blocks as well i think as well we've we've seen obviously pablo's uh, dropped out and that's an effect but we've we've probably had more change in the sort of the the 2 8 than the wingers in terms of the players playing those positions, uh, more so than we have had at any time under Bielsa, we've like we've not had Click playing there consistently, and if he has played, he's not as been as good. Um, the mid, the, his the over eights change, and then with like Rafinha switching wings on like Harrison and Costa switching up a lot, it's it must be I don't I must um it must be hard to get that sort of system play going when the people in the system are changing as often as they had in the last few games. I think a lot of this comes down to the fact that this is an outlier uh, season as well. Um, hopefully next season we'll have a little bit more continuity in terms of personnel um, and you know, hopefully we'll have more time in pre-season to work on a lot of this stuff as well. I, don't, I think it's understated how when you bring in new players in, in the summer, usually you have two or three months to work through tactical systems with them and we just did, we weren't afforded that reality I mean Rafinha came in really really late in the season in the window anyway um, and he didn't start playing until a good number of games into the season too so there's there's lots of little things like that where we're still we've got players like Urente who's only just started playing for us this season that's going to be impacted by that as well we've seen Robin Koch um, start and then leave and just little things like that mean that that the system-based side of things uh, is going to suffer as a result of this right let's talk about possession because um we had a couple of questions actually from richard and richard so nice nice homophonic phonic similarities there but richard says that must have been our lowest possession and completed passes under bielsa uh, richard lang says keen to get the team's view on why we have such a good record when we can see the majority of the possession as of today's game looking through a tactical lens i've got the uh, fb ref numbers in front of me and it was in fact easily the lowest possession uh, we've had in a match in this season i'm not looking back 
to previous seasons, but um, I'm I'm pretty sure it would be up there with our lowest possessions under Bielsa. I think it is. I think it definitely is our lowest because I think in the championship we never really dropped below sort of you know, 47, 48%, even in games where the other team dominated. This is 38%, which is very yeah. low. The next lowest is Southampton, which was 46 a game that we won. Leicester City, 50% in the 3-1 win. Uh, the Liverpool game was 50%, uh, which we which we lost. I think Liverpool had slightly more possession, but, you know, at that level, it, it it's, it's really, you know, tossing a coin uh, and then you got Fulham which we also won that was 51% 52% against Manchester City in the draw and then the Arsenal game uh, that we lost 4-2 that was 53% as well so um, yeah there's definitely a correlation between us looking slightly better having less possession although having said that I mean if you go to the opposite end of the spectrum we had 74% against West Brom uh, in the game that we won 5-0 68% against Newcastle in the 5-2 win, 68% against Crystal Palace in their uh, 2-0 win. But then you've got all of those teams where they sat deep against us. So Villa, 68%, lost 1-0. Wolves, 66%, lost 1-0. Arsenal, we drew, um, we had 65% in that one. The Brighton game where we lost 1-0, that was 65% as well. We lost to West Ham, 65% too. So you can see it there, but you know there's definitely a correlation between uh, possession, us not having possession, uh, and and us maybe prospering a little bit more than you might expect. So, Darren, I'll go to you first on this. What's your take on this? It's a really interesting question, and I've been I've been thinking about it for a little while this morning. And and I kind of think that that when particularly in yesterday's game, because we needed to be, and and you never really hear these words in in BL, in you know in, in reference to Bielsa teams. We we were actually quite compact yesterday. I felt, and I I felt that we 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 didn't. Although we got pulled out of you know sort of out of positions at, at, at times, I, I felt that. Really, what what it wasn't was a sort of game where we can sometimes come unstuck, where we kind of flood forward and and then get picked off. I thought it was quite noticeable how little Ailing was involved in our our attacking play yesterday, and I think he he kind of he, he was kind of quite symptomatic of of the team being more being just that bit more reserved. So so when we did go forward, we didn't com- we didn't go gung ho, we didn't commit lo- commit loads of men forward because we knew that Chelsea would have the ability to pick us off coming back the other way. So I, th- I think it just speaks to us generally being more compact, more solid, more kind of defensive, defensively focused. Um, I think it's probably the most defensive performance we've seen from, from a Bielsa team yesterday. And, I, I, and, and, you know, as somebody who enjoys defending, I really enjoyed it from that point of view. Um, but, but it definitely did, you know, although, although it got us a good result, it did come at the result of some of our attacking cut. So yeah, I think it was just we 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 just sat back basically. I think, and and that was that was the top and bottom of it. No, I do I do agree, and I think we mentioned this before the game and the preview stuff that you know Chelsea are sitting in a and regardless of how you view their perform their um, structure yesterday, they were basically playing with a back three, with Chilwell maybe dropping in a little bit more than Pulisic on the other side. So it, it, at times uh, out of possession, it looked more like a four. But I mean, Pulisic was dropping in deep too. So, but they, they have this structure where they've got three centre backs, um, they've got two players sitting in front of the centre backs and then they've got these two wing backs who can drop in and help out as well you know these are these are games where we do struggle to to create um and are going to be games where 
because they've taken an extra player from out of the field and dropped them into the centre-back line, they are going to have fewer players up front. Now, when you're a team like Chelsea, you can afford to do that because you've got such quality going forward that what you're doing there is hedging your bets and saying, okay, we're going to attack as in, in a unit of maybe four with maybe one of the uh, wing-backs joining in. So four or five against, you know, Leeds, we're going to have more defenders than that. But because of the quality of the players that we've got, we're going to hedge on our bets of creating chances, taking those chances. And then because we've got that extra man back, we'll we'll um, snuff, snuff out any attacks that, that they send our way. There's been lots of teams who've done that this season. Wolves have done that twice. Uh, we've seen Villa do that in the second game against us. And um, I, I do think that makes a huge difference as well. So, you know, seeding possession... Um, I, I suppose in this sense is, is completely the other way around, but um, you know, seeding possession for us usually means that we're we're reversing that logic, and we're we're going to be saying we're going to come at you and, and try and break quickly uh, on you, and I think that that comes into it as well. Which is what we did against Southampton, isn't it? They they were playing the game that allowed us to do that and really spring traps on them, and we were just making sure that the, that that Chelsea didn't spring those sorts of traps. Yes, I thought their structure was fascinating. To me, it looked like they were playing the three four three when they were going forward, a four four two when they were sitting in the mid block, and then going to five at the back once once we managed to get somewhere near their half. I thought it was really interesting to watch. Just for the sense of completeness, because I I am a bit of a perfectionist, Richard did ask about completed passes and um, you mentioned the Southampton game there, Darren. That was the game that we had the fewest completed passes uh, and the fewest attempted passes as well this season. So again, with Southampton, that was just a case of bypassing their press and going direct. Um, Whereas I think maybe yesterday with 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 Chelsea it was just more of a case of you sort of sitting deep and being a little bit more circumspect um so 240 completed passes against Southampton and 280 completed passes against Chelsea so it was clearly um there's clearly 40 pass difference there is 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 massive um but again yeah I think look Chelsea were happy to allow us to play around the back and play between our center backs so which is something that Southampton just weren't happy to do so uh, I think that comes into it as well and also, I think we, you need to factor in the fact that Southampton really gave up towards the end of the game, and, we're, and from that point of view, we're just happy to let us have the ball at, at the, towards the end of the game, which I think might have upped our stats in that game a little bit. Tom Alderson, did you have anything that you wanted to talk about with respect to possession stuff? You've kind of touched on it already, but it's just while we have a sort of a good record with the when we have a lower possession, I think this game is kind of an outlier for me um, in this one because that the Chelsea just didn't give us the sp- space to break quickly on them. Whereas I think in every other game, like you said, the Southampton game and um, the Liverpool game where it was 50-50 or the City game, it was a bit more end-to-end. Whereas this one, we just our attack didn't really get going. So even though it was a draw, I'd still say our just attacking-wise, our attacking performance was worse. There was probably our worst when we've been had lower possession compared to any other game where we have. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Right, let's move on to talk about some of the players. So I think the first player we should talk about is Rodrigo. So Mars Pluto said, why bring Rodrigo on and then hook him? He's never going to run around like Pat does. Simply doesn't have the fitness levels. Bizarre to me, thoughts. Um, and we all talk, Lee says, does Rodrigo fit into this system? So I'll go with you first, Tom Alderson, with the first question. So what do you think that was all about? Why do you think Bielsa brought on Rodrigo and then brought him off? I think he might have always been going to get a maximum of 45 minutes. So I think fitness might play some part in it. But he came on in the first half and I think he played up front, didn't he? Uh, and then in the second half, Roberts went up front and Rodrigo played 10. But I st- when I was looking at the, was watching it back last night and even though it was Rodrigo playing 10, I think it was Roberts was covering the man. And like Rodrigo, Rodrigo was playing defensively as a forward, but attacking as a 10. And I don't know if Roberts had been asked to do this because um, he's probably better at that than Rodrigo or it's just Rodrigo being lazy. And my guess is if he was hooked, it was probably because Rodrigo wasn't exactly doing his job. And that's why Roberts was having to go back and cover him. We've, we've seen a lot of problems this year when we lose the ball and our eights are ahead of the ahead of the ball. So if Roberts is going to have to come back from a forward position to do the defensive work, he's more often not going to be ahead of the ball. And that's we saw Chelsea's centre-backs getting out in the second half a lot more than we did with Bamford. So I think it was, it was probably partly fitness and partly because I just don't think he was doing the defensive work. I think the quote that Bielsa gave in the press conference was he didn't find his rhythm in the game, uh, which is a curious quote, I think, insofar as it sounds as though Bielsa was maybe surprised at, at what happened um, in that in that sense. Darren, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, th- I felt that, that Bielsa's comments after the game were really about protecting the player because I think I think it was really clear throughout when, you know when, once once Rodrigo came on how how we looked much less secure and and that Chelsea were able to pick their way through that 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 bit much more easily. And there were times in the you know I have to say there were times in the second half when I was absolutely doing my nut at Rodrigo for just kind of strolling around, you know, kind of notionally near near uh, Jorginho, but not really kind of picking him up, not really getting close to him. Uh, just and and Tom's right, you know, there, there were definitely occasions when Tyler Roberts was dropping in to do what I saw as, as Rodrigo's work. But but I think I think that you know there is some truth in in the fact that he's just come back from and not. You know, it wasn't a quick injury recovery. He was out for quite some time, over a month, and and that is going to have an impact. And I felt that, you know, I think we talked uh, in the preview podcast that that really what you'd be hoping for would be twenty or thirty minutes for Rodrigo, really, and not fifty. And I I just thought it was a strange choice given how noticeably um, more active Click was when he came on, not to bring not to bring Click on initially and, and put put Roberts up front because I, I actually thought Click was really good once he came on this so I just wanted to mention that um, so yeah I, I think I think it's really in, the, the Rodrigo conundrum is really interesting because I think we've we've all kind of said all season that, that, that obviously Rodrigo is a good player and there are games when he can have an impact and there are games when he's going to look really good but in, in games where he needs to do um, a lot of defensive work he's, he's it, that's just not it for him I don't think he's ever going to look great there but I thought he was noticeably off the pace yesterday and it caused us quite a few problems at times yeah I'm glad that you've mentioned that you know we've our criticisms of Rodrigo are all system based we we all think that he's a great baller we all think that he's clearly an elite player albeit a player who is now 
on a little bit of a decline, both in terms of injuries, but also because of age. Like the guy's pushing thirty now. He just turned thirty last week. Right. Yeah. So he's, it's 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 natural that he's going to have that kind of decline. And I think our criticisms of the club bringing him in have always been that that it, he seems like a a sort of luxury player to bring in at the age that he's at given that our system is so heavily focused on pressing. And a game like even yesterday when he does press, I mean, I, I never really like to comment on whether or not a player looks like they're putting effort in or not, because I'm pretty sure that they are. I just think that even the times when he is running, sprinting in the forward press, it just he just never seems to arrive quite at the right time in a way that when Bamford does it, he he's just so often in the right place at the right time. Uh, he's so often gets to that um gets to the man and closes down the pass and and makes it hard work and it was just it was so easy for them getting the ball through at times yesterday um especially when when um Rodrigo was the first line of that forward press uh, and I, my impression with the whole why did we bring him off is because I think Bielsa experimented with playing him as a forward, experimented with pl- playing him as a sort of 10, experimented with having two the two wingers sort of do the pressing onto the their back three, um, especially in the second half, and just nothing was working. And in the end, he basically brought on Click to press that forward line. And, you know, Mateus Click was brought on as a central midfielder to sort of play as the striker out of possession. And um, I think that's just a real indication of Bielsa not happy with the way that the Rodrigo was playing off the ball. Um, but let's move on to that that second question then. How well, does Rodrigo fit into this question? I suppose is the question. It's not even how. Um, that's from We All Talk Leeds podcast. So um, we'll go with you, Darren, on this one first. Does Rodrigo fit into the system? I think you've got to think about what what Rodrigo's good games have been this season, and the, they've been in games where the opposition have offered a lot, offered up quite a bit of space. So if you think about the Villa away game, that they, they gave him a lot of space. If you think about the Newcastle at home game, he had a lot of space. Um, did he play at the West in the West Brom game? I think he did, didn't he? And I think he had, a, you know, I think he had a good game there and a, and a fair bit of space. Um, I think. I think there there are going to be games like that where where the opposition and are, are kind of not are either not good enough to deny us the space that we need or that they're not particularly interested in in denying us space and and he'll he'll look good in those games um and there the may be games when he's playing against a, a low lying block where he can do some of the Pablo stuff where he can get involved in the half spaces and kind of try and try and find passes or or, or beat a man and get a shot off. But I, I really do struggle to to think because when when I think about our kind of standard four one four one system, I kind of um, imagine because I, I tend to think about things first from a defensive point of view rather than from an attacking point of view. And and when when Rodrigo's in there, I think of that as a hole that people are just going to be able to run through. Um, so I, I think that I think that probably the the games in which he's going to look good. I like maybe less than a third of the games in the season are the games where he's going to have a really positive impact. Um, so, f- so from that point of view, I, I'm not sure that he does fit into the system for the vast majority of, of fixtures that we've got. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my take on it, really. Rodrigo is an interesting one because I think if we were to have stayed in the championship, now this is clearly a wild hypothetical, but he would be the sort of player who would have made a huge difference, right? He would have been a like-for-like Hernandez replacement. And what what what's so interesting about this is that our system has changed. And I do wonder the extent to which, you know, if we were to go into the summer knowing that we would be playing like this at the end of the season, at the beginning of this season, whether or not we would have actually spent the money on him. And I suspect probably not. And I think 
what has changed so much. I mean, th- th- this is the tactical shift which has seen Stuart Dallas become one of our most important central midfielders. And the complexities of, of, the, of this whole question come down to the fact that the way that we're playing football right now, I don't think is the ideal way that Bielsa would want this team to be playing football. And so our... And this is something I was saying in the Autors List episode this this week, is that, you know, you've got to... On the one hand, you're looking for someone who's going to fit the system. But on the other hand, you're also looking for what Bielsa envisions the ideal version of this system to look like. And it may be the case that next season, if we bring in the right personnel, that there will be a space for Rodrigo a little bit more. If we bring in someone who can play uh, the eight position uh, instead of Dallas, who is doing what Dallas does defensively, but it also has an offensive aspect into the in his game as well, then I think you can, and, and maybe is doing a little bit more pressing stuff. And we also have obviously a, a left back who is able to do build-up phase, so we're not losing the ball quite so much. We bring in another couple of players elsewhere. Suddenly you're possessing the ball and the issue then becomes not the defensive side of the game, but the, the stuff we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, which is we need to be creating more chances, in which case someone like Rodrigo then becomes much more of a, of a useful player. And so I do think it's a really, really um, tough tough question to answer and it could be the sort of question that is is slowly answered in the course of the next season anyway so um i don't think we should just be binning off rodrigo but i do think that our criticism is contextualized by the fact that we didn't ever think it was going to work in the system that we had to bring in someone like rodrigo with with everything that we said in terms of you know his age curve and uh, and the sort of football that he played and we've we've been proven right in that and and that's not to not to be like patting ourselves on the back uh, but to, to to just set to suggest that actually when you're considering how useful a player is, there are so many other things that you have to consider on top of that. Totally agree. It's almost like you know with, the, with some of the signings that we made. Obviously, we 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 made signings at centre back, which were sorely needed. And and you know, like f- from my point of view, the the most rational way to have a, 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 to have attacked the transfer market in the uh, last summer would have been to sort out some of the more structural issues before we kind of I don't know. I, before we sort of painted the boat, if you like, kind of, <laughs> and, and but what we did is we we kind of got some of the more decorative stuff and 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 left out some of the you know kind of more fundamental. Yeah, the oars and the big hole in the <laughs> hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um. And and I'm sure that those things will be addressed in the summer. And and let's not forget that that this kind of this sort of lopsided um vehicle with with kind of structural issues has got us to a comfortable mid-table position in the league. So obviously. That you know you can you can say that that would that the recruitment has been proven correct in that in that sense, but um, I, I just think it's it is a really interesting conundrum to, to for us to look at next season. And and you're right, the picture may very well change in the summer if we are able to fix some of those structural issues. Um, I'm I'm conscious of time, so I'll move on to the next question. So sorry for not giving you much of a, a say in that one, Tom. But I haven't got anything else to say on Rodrigo. To be honest, <laughs> you covered it pretty well. That's good. So let's talk about Roberts then. Um, Roberts has been. He's become something of a Marmite player, I think, in the last couple of months. Uh, Neil says, how good was Roberts today, getting better every game and quieting the critics, myself included, steadily? What's your take on Roberts, Tom? Because, he, he, like I say, he's become a bit of a Marmite player and 
I feel as though we, as a fan base, we've very much got into this habit of being of just writing players off and being. And look, I'm as, as much in danger of doing that as, as anyone else. But uh, it just very much becomes very quickly. This player isn't good enough. Therefore, you know, we need to get rid of them. This player is amazing. They're the best player we've ever had in this position. Uh, all on the basis of like a couple of ninety minutes performances. So talk to us about Roberts and give us a, the the breath of of rational air that we need on this one. So I, f- I remember when I, when I was listening to the preview pod, uh, the Chelsea, I can't remember what the Chelsea fan's name, but he was saying about how, how much space that there would be um, to sort of dribble through the centre of Chelsea. And I thought, oh, this this game could suit Robert. So, But we didn't really see that. But the, what it made me think is, um, and this is the truth of a lot of players, I'm thinking like Helder Costa, um, that they will be, we will play teams where it won't suit them. So like the West Ham game doesn't suit Roberts, doesn't suit Costa. Same with the Villa game. So players, the fan base is like, oh, they're rubbish. They can't play like this. But then we'll get games like um, a game where they've got more space and they'll look really good. So like Roberts against Southampton. So the Arsenal game, the Arsenal game was a good game for them because we were being pressed high and we needed to get out of the press. Yeah. And the um, same with Costa yesterday that he had, he could dribble out. Because um, like not all, not every player is Rafinha and can't just do it do it against everyone really but so I think we need to stop writing players off after one game where it doesn't suit them because there will be games where it does suit them and like it did for Roberts yesterday and I thought he was he was really good um he, he was definitely man of the match for me yesterday um um he was unlucky not to score and I'd, I liked how he played when he played up front he was a bit different to Bamford he, re- he reminded me a lot of Ollie Watkins actually in the way that he moved into the wings um, held up the ball and he was a real threat so I think we're actually going to touch on if Bamford's injury is serious I think I would I wouldn't have any worries about Roberts playing there and he would be the first choice for the role for me I've you know long been a, somebody who I, I think I've been quite open that I think Tyler Roberts is a good player and I think he's got a lot of potential and I think that, that there's still a lot more to come from him but even if that's not true even even if even if I'm wrong about that and it's entirely possible that I am I think this season there's kind of no point in getting angry with players for being as good as they are that because I because we're in as you said we're in a, we're in an outlier season we're in we're in a strange situation we've been promoted we've got got kind of a lopsided team um and I th- I think that to kind of you know to damn people just because they're they're not performing to the levels of the players that we signed in the summer or are not perceived to be signed uh, playing to that level is a really kind of strange behaviour. Um, and besides which, I, I I genuinely think Tyler Roberts in some games will will and the sort of games we've talked about um, is is a really effective and helpful player. And I and I genuinely think he's got a chance of making. A decent career for himself. Uh, kind of maybe, maybe, maybe he won't stay with Leeds, you know, and and maybe, maybe his his level is that he'll be in a, a promotion chasing Championship club or he'll play in a slightly lower, lower down the table Premier League club. But what he's not is what a lot of people said he is, which is shit. I think I think he's a, there's, there's a good player there who's got a lot of attributes and who who's got areas to improve, but but is working hard to improve them. And I think that's all you can you know all you can really say. Yeah, I've I've always said with with Roberts in the team we have someone dynamic in midfield that we don't have when we don't have him in the team and that's that's the issue. The issue is is who else do you play to to have that level of dynamism in in the central midfield area? Yeah, okay, maybe we could bring in Jamie Shackleton for some reason Bielsa doesn't seem to like to play him in that in that role. Um that said my criticism of Roberts is that he does 
it, it's not that a lot. I see a lot of people saying, oh, he slows down play, he gets his foot on the ball and slows down play. I don't agree with that at all. What my issue with him is that the ball comes into him a huge amount in those spaces and he doesn't seem to, his concentration seems to lapse sometimes. So you'll see him miscontrolling balls quite a bit. And I think if he, if he sorted that out in his game, he would just be a really, really useful dynamic central midfielder who can pick the ball up, can turn. There was a turn he did yesterday that was really remarkable on the, on the wing. He was in the wide space being pressed back, turned and then just drove into space. And suddenly we were in a much more dangerous position. I think he does all that really well. I just think there's really basic stuff that he needs to work on, which is, concentration on those balls that are coming through the central spaces from the central midfielders or the or the wide players uh, or particularly the fullbacks where it, it comes into his feet he just needs to take that ball down and 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 turn and move on and I think sometimes he's thinking a few moves ahead and he doesn't do the basic thing at the beginning um so yeah again I agree I think he was really really good yesterday maybe not quite my man of the match but I think he was brilliant and I I, I do think that there's stuff that he can work on uh, and I agree with what you've said as well Darren that this is about you know, the availability of players that we have now. And he's the best option we have really to do that kind of stuff, I think, at the moment. And yeah, okay, you, you might not like that, but, it, you know, the, there's, a, there's a whole gamut of different options between being good and being bad. And he's definitely not bad. I, th- I think that's what, that, that's what we have to come, come down to. But let's move on and talk about the Bamford injury then, because we had a couple of questions about that. And it obviously touches on uh, how we're using Robert. So Tony Walsh said, what happens if Paddy's injury is serious. What is plan B? And Tom HC said, I feel Roberts looked good at nine, but mainly with Rodrigo behind him. Roberts worked into the wider areas, allowing Rodrigo to come into the box late. Unlike Bamford, he stays central. If Bamford is injured, is this something we should be looking at utilising? Um, Darren, I'll go with you first on this because uh, Tom's already touched on how Roberts was moving into those wide channels. Yeah, I, I really like Robert's movements when he plays at nine as well. I think I think he has got the ability to pull pull centre backs around. I think he's good at getting in behind them in in tight areas and kind of looking for looking for you know kind of space or different players coming into the box. Um, for, for me, I w- I would definitely go with Roberts at nine should Bamford be injured rather than Rodrigo. And I think some of that's to do with the defensive side of things that we've already touched on. I think Roberts is is massively superior in terms of in terms of his defensive output when he plays at nine or at ten. Um and I think he kind of he does seem to make runs which stretch the play a little bit, um, which I think is, is a good thing. Whereas I don't necessarily think Rodrigo would do that. I think he, he seems to me to be the sort of player who would want to drop deeper rather than stretch the play. And I think we need people who can stretch the play to give people um behind it uh, space in, in behind um Sorry, in front of the back four and behind the midfield. So yeah, I think that that would be it for me. Definitely, uh, Roberts at, at nine. Same for me. I think that what you were saying about him coming for the ball, John, and like when he when he does get the ball, he's he is good at sort of dropping from off the strikers and having with his back to goal. And I think that suits him playing up front. But I think when you're playing as a ten, having having your back to goal isn't something as effective. And that's my why it might look like he slows down the play um, rather than sort of the better attacking midfielders who will sort of be like on the half turn and the pitch just is more open to them I also think that we lose the ball way too much in possession I would rather our midfielders were slower in play and just protected the ball a little bit more too so um, but this is I guess something that we talked about at length on this podcast through the last few seasons anyway but um, I'm aware of time running on as I've said so let's move on to the centre-backs we had a couple of questions about the centre-back pairing John Houghton or Horton apologies if I've uh, well I've said both of them so I've covered my back um, so I won't be hearing from your lawyers but if everyone's fit John says 
Um, what's our first choice centre-back pair? Strauch and Llorente look solid today, but both offer a lot going forward. Seemed fewer passes back to Melier today as well. May have been to do with Phillips being back as well, though. And then Simon says, does this confirm that Strauch and Llorente should be our first choice centre-back pairing when everyone is fit? Before I get into you guys, I have a little bit of frustration with this question because, with these questions, because this notion of when everyone is fit that is said in both of those questions is is a cloud cuckoo land that we've not lived in this season, right? When everyone is fit has never been the case this season. And so I, I think for me, the way that I look at it is we have two comparable centre-backs in each position, uh, left-hand side and right-hand side. And it's, you know, it's, it's great. It's, um, it's great to have that, that option available. Um, I think, you know, between Cock and Urente, it's, you know, there's pros and cons to both. I think between Strauch and Cooper, there's pros and cons to both as well. And we should, largely just be pleased that we've got the um the, the option of having that that sort of depth which we really haven't had under Bielsa before and I think to be honest a lot of that comes down to the fact that Koch got injured early on um against Liverpool and there was a knowledge that he was going to have to take some time out to have his operation and so they brought in a, a decent level backup as well and so as a result of that we've done quite well out of this but with that said <laughs> with that as the caveat Let's talk a little bit about the the, the centre back pairing, um, in terms of the ideal centre back pairing. In, in that sense, um, I'll start with you, Darren, as our resident centre back expert. What's your take on this? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. It is having four fit, high level centre backs does definitely fall into the category of problems you'd love to have and and problems that we've never really had before. Um, for me, at the moment, the the the, the, the best centre back pairing is probably. Um, Cock and Cooper, they they would be the two that I would go go to to first. I think um, now that's a bit odd because I because I do think Pascal Strauch is probably the the the, the best centre or is my favourite centre back at the club is probably how I should put it rather than the best because I think he does the things that I like to see in a defender, which is that he that he just kind of um, he identifies danger. And he just kind of puts a fire blanket over it with the absolute minimum of fuss, and that's how I like to see people defend. Um, however, I, I I do acknowledge that Liam Cooper, despite what a lot of people in the Leeds fan base think, I noticed him um, even getting the blame for his getting a positive result yesterday, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, um, but he's he's as we've said on this podcast many times, he's actually a really really good and important player in our setup, and I think that that Cooper's probably got at least another season. Um, been the first choice but that we've got an incredibly able developing really high level deputy stroke competition for him in stroke and that's kind of the way that I would look at it now I, I've been quite open in this podcast previously that, that I do have some doubts about Irente's defending um, about some of the defending fundamentals and although I you know that, that he played well yesterday he even made a couple of quite hairy mistakes yesterday that that could have caused us danger or that did cause us danger in one case. So my personal preference would be Cock plus whichever one's fit out of Cooper and Strauch, um, with your rent is the backup for, for, for the reasons that we've identified. So I think Strike should play um, every game because I think the threat he gives us at set pieces and his ability to defend set pieces, it just makes such a difference with him on the pitch compared to when he's not. So I think for that, for me, I actually think he's the best centre-back at the club. I think you should play every game. Um, like you've said, Darren, I I I also don't really trust Lorente's ability to, to defend 
sort of do like the pr- proper defending, as some people would probably call it. Um, but I think there will be games where you want Lorente because of his ability to um, do the sort of line-breaking passes. Um, I think, t- t- for me, and I, this probably isn't an option, but if I was doing it in an ideal world, I would actually play Stroik and Cooper because I think... I've, I've, I haven't got problems with Stroik playing on the right. And I know this is never going to happen because of the left-footed, right-footed thing. But I think... I do think think that Stroik and Cooper are our two best centre backs, um, and I and I think they cover. I, I think we just look so much more solid when one or both of them is, are playing. Do you know what's really interesting? Actually, looking back at the stats yesterday, is that usually we would be talking about Urente being the creative um, centre back and and Strout being the more passive one. But yesterday it was definitely the other way around. Urente's pass completion rate rate was much higher than than Strauch's and he was not trying any of those line breaking passes really yesterday um Urente whereas um Strauch had easily the the highest carries um out of anyone on our team yesterday and and he was making some fairly speculative passes which is a little bit unusual so um which is again a nice problem to have and I think this is what this is what I love about Strauch is that we're seeing good sides to his game but every time we see him play he's developing further and further and further and we're starting to see him gaining confidence and for me the thing I like about Strauch is that he is well-rounded I think all of our other centre-backs are good at certain things I think Cooper is maybe the second most rounded player but I think Strauch just is good at everything Personally, I think we really miss Robin Cock at the moment because I, I think one of the things that he's really good at, and I think I talked about this quite a lot when he was playing, is the bit where he really kind of backs up his fullback and, and makes sure that if that, that if his fullback gets beaten, that, that he's going to be there to mop up. And I, I don't think Urente is quite as good as that, quite as good at that. But anyway, Strout was my man of the match yesterday, just because we, we did mention man of the match, man of the match yesterday, and he he was mine. I thought he was I thought he was excellent. Six blocks he pulled off yesterday, which is yeah. pretty remarkable. Um, and they were important blocks as well. You can you can actually see them on the graphic that Josh put up on All Stats, aren't we? He put the shot map for Chelsea up. Actually, well worth looking at that because when you see the the Lampard shot map, it's sort of like shooting from all over the place. It's really sort of wild. Obviously, they get more chances that, that and they they score the goals. But when you look at Tuchel's shot map, it looks as though it's been like designed three from the left. Yeah. Three from the right <laughs> and three from the centre. <laughs> yeah, and none of them are from stupid positions in wide areas. But on that shot map, do notice the six blocked chances, which are, were all blocked by Strauch. But anyway, enough of this shameless celebration of, of Pascal Strauch. One final question, I think, uh, and it's about wingers. So Johnny J says, has Rafinha looked less effective in the past few games because he's A, overdoing it, B, getting closed down more quickly, or C, getting frustrated with teammates? Uh, and then Jacob Stanbridge had a question saying, does Bielsa move Rafinha to the left too readily? So, uh, well, let's do with, we, we've sort of touched on Rafinha and the effectiveness of him. So um, what what is it, Darren, A, B or C, overdoing it, getting closed down more quickly or frustrated with teammates? B. Because anytime you, you see a, you see a team where where they're kind of using one player as their primary creative fulcrum, the next thing you see invariably a few weeks later is 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 teams working out ways to close them down. And and I thought I thought Chelsea did that really effectively yesterday. I think there's a D in this as well. And I, I actually thought that and and here we go again. I actually thought the pitch played quite a big part in 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 our attacking play being a bit stunted yesterday because quite a lot of the balls that our attacking players were having to deal with were 
were longer or faster balls than than necessarily the Chelsea players were having to deal with because they were playing quite tight and controlled. And I, I actually thought it really impacted the first touch of Rafinha noticeably a few times and Tyler Roberts a couple of times as well. Um, so I think I think it's a, it's B and my D that I've just added in. Um, so <laughs> sorry about that, Johnny. <laughs> and then I'll go to you, Tom, for the other question. Does Bielsa move Rafinha to the left too readily? So sometimes, yeah, so there are games where I think, oh, he's, he's not doing as much on the left, get him over to the right. Or But yesterday I, th- I thought the opposite. So I thought he'd looked a lot lot more threatening on the left because he wasn't being doubled by Chilwell and Rudiger. And it was, what, Pulisic and whoever was playing as their, well, Azpilicueta. Um, but I think as the game, on the left-hand side as well, I think the game had stretched a bit at that point. Uh, so only a little bit, but I think... He just looked a bit more dangerous, so I can't really say he does it too much. It just, I I always seem to disagree with whatever Bielsa does with Rafinha, though, whether he plays him on the left or the right. But I can't say there's a correct answer to this. Yeah, I thought it was sensible yesterday because I I actually thought Chilwell was playing quite high up the pitch, and that meant that um, Rafinha was having to to sit quite deep for a lot of the game, and and moving him over to the left meant that he could he could play from a starting position that was further forward. Um, which, which kind of made logical sense. And it also meant that Harrison was doing the defensive work on Chilwell rather than Rafinha. Although there were a couple of really great bits of, of Rafinha tracking Chilwell back. There's one where um, he won long ball over where, where it was dropping right into Chilwell's path and would have been in a lot of danger and Rafinha managed to get his head to it, which I thought was re- really good defensive work. But but other than it, other than that, I think it, it makes sense to have Harrison on their highest, for their furthest forward um, fullback. Or wing back. I think that's been a really fruitful discussion today. So thank you guys for for coming on and and chatting to me about all of this. Thank you for the questions, everyone who sent them in. Before we go, if you like what we do and you want to get more of it, then there is a Patreon channel that is uh, available for you to get bonus material. So I will be putting up a video analysis tomorrow of of the game. So check that out. We will be doing a Q&A for our patrons again this month at some point and we will be getting some uh, bonus podcast podcasts up over there as well so if that sounds interesting head over to www.patreon.com forward slash all stats aren't we and we also have Autos List a new series that we're putting up that is running every other week so that won't be up until the following week but we will be looking at I think eight who can deputize for Calvin Phillips so we're looking for players who can play the sort of Stuart Dallas role uh, but could also drop in and fill in for Phillips if he's out so that will be in two weeks time do check out the first episode of that if that sounds interesting but here we are at the end of the review for the Chelsea game all that remains for me to do is to say thank you Darren thank you and thank you Tom thank you very much and we'll see you on Wednesday I think with a Fulham preview Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.